0: Good morning again, everyone. It's lovely to be with you this morning, especially from the pulpit. I must say I'm thankful to the Lord that it's Him alone who makes the word effective, because I'll be honest, there's really no other reason that would have gotten me up here to preach a sermon on parenting. Well, we've been parents for about eight minutes. Um, I know that some of you might feel a little bit done in this morning, that it's not Clinton or Shane speaking. Um, I'll be honest, my heart has felt a little bit done in too, and so we can sulk together afterwards. But I want to just say this, I'm extremely confident that God has spoken in His Word, that we need to hear it clearly, and that if we listen, we will grow in our understanding, our wisdom, our obedience, and our love for what it means to be parents. And so I'm also confident that many of you who are not parents here might find some of what we'll speak about this morning to be foreign. Um, If you're not a parent, I would still encourage you to listen. Look for opportunities to grow and to think about what journey the Lord has parents on and to see how you can relate to them and how you can bless them by coming alongside them until the Lord either blesses you with your own children or to be surrogate Christian fathers and mothers in the life of the church. Personally, I don't know of many other topics uh, that have got so many opinions attached to it as parenting. Children have their views, many, parents have their views, and different cultures see things quite differently. But as one quote I read this week put it, we live in an age of information, but we're starving for truth. I think if we step back and we evaluate as parents in general, this quote is more true than we think. If we look at the lack of godly examples in the home, the lack of godly instruction, a teaching and correcting and a training in righteousness, if we look at the lack of loving discipline, I think that what we'll see is a bunch of parents trying our best to juggle the enormous responsibilities of being parents while feeling like we're fumbling around in the dark sometimes. The problem that my heart wrestles with is not that there's not enough information to parent. It's that I'm very slow to trust that God has said enough in His Word. Everything around me, including my own opinions, uh, my own upbringing, my culture that I live in, my expectations, my own parents' opinions, my own fear of letting my children down and my fear of man, all of these wrestle for priority in my own heart about how I will parent. Isn't this what makes parenting so tough? It's that our identity as parents gets wrapped up in being parents. So when someone comes around and says something like your style of parenting or that thing you said or the thing you did or the way you are going about it is not right our walls go up the defense kicks in and we shut off from listening. And so uh, before we go any further I just want to pray again and just ask that God would especially help us with that. So won't you please pray with me? O oh Lord our God in you our souls find their rest. And as we consider this morning the enormous privilege and task of parenting, we're reminded again and again that you are our portion. Lord, would you use your word in us this morning to bring hope to the hopeless, comfort to the hurting, Lord, confidence to the burnt out, grace to the guilt-laden, and love to the ones who want to quit. Cause our hearts to sing for joy as we hear the good news of the call of parenting, that the task that you have given us is a wonderful gospel task, so rich and full of purpose and promise, Lord, help us, I pray. Lord, as we consider your word and its wisdom for us as parents, would you please make my words clear? Remove any distractions around us. Cause us not to become defensive. And would we listen well to you, O oh Lord? Speak to us, Lord. We, we want to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And so my hope this morning is quite simple. It's, it's three things. I want to highlight three calls that God places on the life of every parent in order to lead their children to Jesus. And the first call is simply this, we are called to lead our children to Jesus through godly example. We see this in Proverbs 20 verse 7, which reads, The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. Now, those of you who know me well know that I'm a little bit of a sucker for any book to do with church, just theology of church. And one of the topics I never thought I would come to enjoy is that of church budgets, Um, But I think church budgets get a little bit of a bad rap because we think about money and not ministry, about finance and not about mission. And a specific author who shook me on the topic of church budgets, his name is Jamie Dunlop, and he says, look, this in his book on budgets. He says, if I want to know what your church believes about missions or children's ministry or feeding the poor, I'm going to skip your statement of faith and ask to see your budget. What your church spends its money on shows me what you believe more than what you say you believe. Now you might be asking, what on earth does church budgeting have to do with parenting? I think it's that the same principle applies. What your children see you do will teach them far more than what you say. Listen to what John Owen says. True Christianity is not a mere profession of faith, but a living out of that faith in every area of our lives. Our children are watching, and they will be shaped more by the patterns of our behavior than by the words we speak. And someone once said that the greatest sermon you will ever preach is a living out of a godly life. This is an incredible and a profound truth. And I I hope that everyone here this morning would believe this. But in case you are wrestling with this, in case you are not sure why it is that we are meant to live out godly examples, I just want to consider a few passages First Corinthians 11, verse 1, Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul says again in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Peter then writes in 1 Peter 2, verse 21, to this you were called, beloved, Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you would follow in his steps. Now, we could scan the pages of Scripture some more, but really the principle that is coming out here is that the truth of the why of setting a a Christian godly example for your children is found in the person of Jesus. Jesus sets an example for us in his obedience to the Father, and it's his example that we seek to emulate with our children It's the life of Jesus and in the life of Jesus that we see grace for the sinner, love for the unlovely, mercy for the guilty. It's in Jesus that we learn to prioritize God, walk radically in a godless world, suffer well. It's in Jesus that we find that this world is not our home and neither should it be our children's home. See, being an example for our children is more than listening to the latest children's manual, but to be like Jesus. When Amy and I were expecting Olivia, we were absolutely bombarded by the gynae with so many resources on children and parenting. And ironically, almost all of them disagreed on everything to do with major life-altering decisions for your child. If these books couldn't find themselves being consistent enough with the data that they have from research on how to properly raise your child, how much less helpful are they going to be with Christian spiritual data on how we are to be examples for our children that they would come to have life eternal in Jesus Christ alone. Parents, the call this morning is quite simple. When it comes to being an example, look to Jesus. He is enough for us to learn how to parent. He is enough for us to understand the priorities of God he is enough. And if you're a Christian, you've been given the mind of Christ through the Holy Spirit who God has made to dwell within you to teach you from the word how to parent your children. And so can I ask this? How are we doing as parents with being godly examples for our children? Are you muddling the disciplines of grace? Are you spending time in, wor- in the word and in prayer, not because of a rule, but because Jesus showed us closeness and intimacy with God. See the proverb that we considered this morning, in this section at least, emphasizes that our children are blessed by our integrity, by righteous living. And so are you growing in your righteous living? Are you growing in your holiness? Are your children seeing a changed life? Do they see the gospel at work? Do they see you hating your sin more and more? Do they see you loving the things of God enough to do the hard work of mortifying, of killing those fleshly desires? I think personally for me, one of the most challenging aspects of parenting is that we so desperately want to privatize our faith. We so desperately want to keep our cards close to our chest. We want to be seen as godly and holy. We don't want to be seen as sinful as we really are. We don't want the slideshow of our regular day put up in front of, least of all, our children. But I want to contend that the very same people that we want to hide our lives from most, our children, are the very people that would benefit from seeing true transparency and a real walk with God the most. I don't think that our children need an academic lecture about why they need God. They need to see us needing God. They need to see parents on their knees, not heroes with capes. But it's not simply our holiness. But the real question that I I wanna kinda hammer in on this section is this, are you growing in your repentance? Part of integrity, as this proverb puts it, is this whole person attitude. Not just a desire for obedience, but a desire to turn from the sin And can I be so bold as to maybe leak a little bit of counseling information as a youth pastor here this morning? Parents, your holiness is not as impressive as you think it is in the eyes of your children. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 2 that spiritual things are spiritually discerned. And your children are not necessarily mature enough to see your holiness and make those clear gospel connections What your children also are seeing are other adults trying their best in a human sense in just a moral way to become a good person and they're slotting you into that same category. What the children in this church seem to be noticing more than personal holiness is when the home becomes a place of radical, open, sincere repentance. Where sin is dealt with at the feet of Jesus and love is poured out in grace. Now please don't hear me saying that holiness isn't important, it's of utmost importance that we be godly examples of God's gospel changing us. But the kids nowadays are growing up with everything around them being so intentionally fake that ironically they're struggling to discern genuine holiness from just a moral person at school. And so do you know what looks incredibly radical? What seems absolutely unexplainable? It's not someone trying harder, It's someone who realizes that they're broken and sinful, that they need mercy and grace. A mom who is so confident in her Savior that her kids get to see her repentance. A dad whose call from God is to apologize to his kids when he has wronged them. A mom and a dad who frequently build each other up when they mess up in front of their children. Children need to see parents' failures dealt with at the foot of the cross, with true heartfelt sorrow over sin and a desire to make right what is wrong. And as much as our homes must be, because of the gospel, places of genuine holiness, can I plead that our homes truly be filled with much repentance? Now I know the question that I've asked a hundred times, and I'm sure some of you have asked that, if I do these things, if I put all of these things in place, does that guarantee a result well, if you're with me and genuinely with me and asking that question, I wanna to speak to myself and to anyone with me here this morning, I think our hearts are drifting from the gospel. Imagine if we were to go and evangelize someone and they said to us, I believe the message, I'm, I'm understanding what you're saying, but before I repent and trust, will Jesus fix my addictions? Will he make me a better person? And the problem is the question sounds so close to being right that it's actually exactly wrong. Just like we don't come to Jesus for a self-improvement program, we don't come before our children as godly examples to force them to change. We set godly examples for our children because Christ is worthy of our obedience. We set the example, right? Christ is worthy of our obedience. We obey Christ, but then we leave the results up to God. And I don't know about you, but that frustrates the performance mentality inside of me. Now I think, church family, we all need to see something that is true of us, that we've become, in a very base way, consumers. And I, I don't know if this phrase is still used so much as when Mail was like all over TV when we were younger, but what is it that the custom is always? Right. So when we turn obedience to God into a product, we then demand a result. That's not the example that Jesus sets for us. That's not the example that Christ modeled for us. Jesus didn't say that if we obey, we get an earthly reward. Jesus didn't say that if we do the right thing as parents, our children will become committed followers of Christ. All too often we take axioms like Proverbs 22, verse six, which says, train up your child in the way of the Lord and even when they're old, he will not depart of it. We take that and we take it to mean that if we tick all the boxes of Christian parenting, and we we do everything that is required, then out pops at the end a little John Piper or a little Joni Erickson Tata that's gonna preach and proclaim the counsel of God. That's just not the case. The type of example Jesus sets for us is one of faithfulness to his Father, of obedience to his Father, because of the obedience that is necessary because God is worthy of our obedience, but a radical trust that God will do what is right. This Friday night uh, past, we, we finished our, our last fusion, our last high school youth ministry for the year, and I'm so privileged to have been able to see 13 matric groups go through that ministry now. And I, one thing that I'm so grateful to the Lord for is that I've been able to be involved in youth ministry before becoming a parent, because what's become so apparent to me is that even the most godly parents will have real children children who wrestle with real life, children who wrestle with real sin, who are coming in their own journeys with God to find their faith for themselves. So yes, absolutely, we teach. As parents, we plead, we pray, we guide, we do everything God calls us to, not to tick box, but because Jesus is worthy, but only God brings fruit. And so can I encourage us as parents, let's lead our children to Jesus through godly example. The second call that God places on our life is this, is to lead our children to Jesus through godly instruction. We read this in Proverbs 6, verse 20 to 22. My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always, tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. In this passage alone, as if we needed more, we're told that we as parents will be the primary spiritual teachers of our children. And to some extent, church family, that should jolt us backwards. Who are we to speak for God On the other hand, God has also said that he has not asked you to make anything up or discover any new truth for yourself. Rather, we are to take what God gives us in our own personal walk with him, in our relationship with him, and simply pass that on to our children. And so what does this mean? What does it mean to instruct our children? Well, instruction is not simply the downloading or transmission of data. We don't just give our children information. Rather, instruction is the sacred responsibility that God has given to each and every parent towards nurturing their children's wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. To instruct our children means we shine a bright light on a road that we pave ahead of them with God's word. And all of that is to help guide them in their knowledge and character and wisdom. When we take on that role of an instructor, we take on a massive responsibility. The responsibility is this, and it should scare us, it's that you and I as parents will be the primary food source of our children until they grow up. All too often, because of various fears, This leads parents to push away that responsibility, to simply delegate it to the church, to remove themselves from it. But can I encourage you as a parent? God has not given your children to the church. He's given them to you. God has not given your children surrogate parents alone. He's given them godly parents. Also, God has not given you a single child that he will not equip you to teach and to love and to care for. If you commit yourself to the things of God, you will have everything that you need for life and godliness to train up your children in the ways of God. And I know some parents have spoken to me in the past and said that they feel like they're not equipped, they feel that they're concerned that they would teach their children the wrong thing. Can I speak for the elders and the pastors and all the Bible study leaders in the church when I say us too? But that fear is something that we take to God not away from God, we submit that to the Lord and we trust Him to speak to us, through us, to our children. And as much as that doesn't remove, and I recognize that doesn't remove the fear of wrong teaching, what we do see and which should remove that fear for us in Scripture is that God is not powerless to fix our mess ups. Now that doesn't excuse laziness, but it does mean that there is more than enough grace for you and my inability to lead our children perfectly because God is just not calling you and I to be God. He's just calling us to be faithful parents. And so quite practically then, how should children instruct their children? Sorry, how should parents instruct their children? <laughs> Firstly, teach them the gospel. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have stored your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Parents, can I ask a very personal question? What is your hope that your children won't go off the rails when you're not with them? What is your hope at night when your children are sitting on their phones talking to their friends? What is your hope when that first guy or girl comes and shows interest? What is your security going to be when your children engage in a fast-paced world? If we think that we can protect our children from sin and Satan by our mere presence, we're being naive. We see that simply when Jesus walked with a group of 12 sinful men there are many resources for us as parents. There are many ways for us as parents that we can glean wisdom, that we can teach. There are books and movies and music, there's podcasts, there's lessons, there's material, there's everything that God has blessed us with to take God's word and plant the seeds down deep within our children's hearts if we will do so. And so can I just advertise myself and Lisa, not that either of us are perfect parents, but the Lord has blessed us with many resources We can point you to those resources, and likewise, we can point you to godly parents in the church who have done it well, not who are perfect, but who are following Jesus. And so as parents, you are called to resource your children by taking God's word, by taking the gospel, by teaching it to them, by instructing them in it. But can I also be cheeky and advertise our own children's ministries and youth ministries here at the church? This year in in Honey Ridge, we had more than 440 lessons given between Crash, Bible Land, Compass, Edge, Fusion, and the Fusion Bible Studies. Every week, there are faithful Christians who are leaning into the Bible, trusting in the Spirit to lead them in their prep and their teaching and their, uh, their exposition, their giving of the Scriptures. Every week, there are over 35 leaders who are praying and readying themselves to come and serve your children. You are not called to be God, you are called to be their parents. Can I plead with you, as much as your children are not given to the church, teach your children to love the church. Secondly, teach your children how to think. Now just follow me on this. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect something which i've noticed in in my time in ministry here at the church amongst the youth and the children is that rational thinking is becoming almost a bit of a taboo subject it's really super strange that we live in a time where people are being told what to think but not taught how to think so yes in a sense should we teach our children the word of god yes absolutely should we teach our children that there is one God, yes, absolutely. Should we teach our children about the triune God? Yes, absolutely. But we must teach our children how to think so that they can learn what it looks like to establish real thoughts. Parents, can I, can I plead with you? Do yourself a world of good and teach your children to think critically. Develop those thinking skills. Have deep conversations with your children about the Bible. Encourage them to ask questions. Let them search out the things of God. Investigate deep theology. Don't shy away from their difficult questions. Teach them to think so that they will learn to discern truth for themselves like good Bereans so that one day when they're no longer in your home, one day when they're at school with their non-Christian friends, when they're at university with that really smart and clever and witty atheist, that they aren't gonna be fooled because all that they have are commands given by parents and the church, but that they've learned to think for themselves, take God's word, discern it, and to establish truth. And thirdly, and I think maybe more tenderly, Teach them the difference between your desires and God's desires. I just wanna take a moment to speak just as the youth pastor. There's a common occurrence in our church where very, very well-meaning parents are putting enormous expectations on their kids that are nowhere in the Bible. I've seen this in my own heart. I find myself having these ridiculous expectations of our one and a half year old daughter, and all it is at the end of the day is a desire to parade her around like a very moral little show pony. Parents, can I speak for your children who we disciple and counsel and meet with weekly? Many of the children in this church are feeling stretched, thin, exasperated, depressed, anxious, not because of the Lord's call on their life, but because of their parents. They're wrestling with this dark and fallen world, and they're trying to find their faith for themselves, and they keep running up into the daunting wall of mom and dad's expectations for their lives, and it's causing spiritual wounds that go very, very deep. Many of the teens and young adults are taking and connecting God's desire and your desire a little bit too closely and are finding themselves to be spiritual failures, not because of their sin, but because of not meeting academic requirements or social pressures or sporting excellence. Please, in your instruction, teach your children that God's desires are not always the same as mom and dad's desire. Teach them that mom and dad can make mistakes, that sometimes we expect wrong things, that sometimes we lose sight of what's important. Don't just teach this, but show this. Show them that mom and dad love them even when they mess up. Show them that no matter their earthly success, they are still deeply cherished and accepted. Show them that their accomplishments do not define them. Show them the earthly failures of the disciples that followed and walked with Jesus daily, and show them the grace that Jesus lavished on them. And lastly in this, can I ask us as parents, let us search our hearts. I know this can cause defensiveness, and I, I know that this really brings a, a level of discomfort because none of us want to fall short. None of us want to fall short, especially when it comes to something that will affect our children negatively. Though we, we had a running joke in school when, when we were growing up, and it was this, that you could see when moms and dads were trying to live out their lives in the 2.0 version through their children either trying to force them or direct them very hardly or harshly towards the same career that they have, or maybe it is to achieve the same things or to be these massive, uh, sort of beautiful, up-and-coming, brilliant people. Parents, that's not instruction. That's doing so much damage because it's taking the similar burden that Paul talks about in Galatians and running it parallel to the gospel. And so just, just hear this. It is very confusing for your children when they hear that the gospel tells them that they are loved and accepted, appreciated, joyfully celebrated over by God, but that their parents are very disappointed in them for what they're doing. That causes immense confusion in the lives of the young people. If you are in this space this morning, and I trust that it's all of us to some degree. We're all imperfect. We all need the perfect Father to teach us If you find that this is you and you do that searching this morning, can I give you just a a piece of comforting advice and maybe a challenge? Today with your children, repent. Repent in front of your children. Thank God for his mercy and joyfully instruct your children in the ways of God. The third call that we are given to lead our children to Jesus through is loving discipline. We see this in Proverbs 3, verse 11 to 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father the son in whom he delights. Now, if you had to list all the controversial things in the controversial topic of parenting, I think discipline will be right near the top of that list. In the world that we live in, everything that discipline stands for is being slowly discredited as unnecessary, archaic, and abusive. Yet from cover to cover, the Bible is unapologetic in describing God's discipline of His children as a loving, gracious, wonderful thing. There's a few, uh, a few points which I, I, I want to look at, but let me, let me just read these, let me read some passages first. Hebrews 12, verse 5 to 6, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Mm-hmm. Revelation three nineteen, Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Job 5, verse 17, Behold, blessed is the one whom God reproves, therefore despise not the discipline of the Almighty. And Psalm 94, verse 12, Blessed is the man whom you discipline, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law. Now, maybe we shouldn't be so surprised given the world that we live in, but I still find it incredible that discipline, which God describes as purely positive, the world describes as negative, which God describes as reserved for those whom he loves, the world says is an act of hate, and which God describes as a sign of his grace, the world says is a great act of evil. And so what is the purpose of God's discipline? Just a a few short points. Firstly, to correct and instruct. Proverbs 3, verse 11 to 12. God shows us how discipline is used to draw us away from the dangers of sin and to pursue righteousness. To correct and instruct, the purpose of God is to draw us towards himself, not away from himself. And so for us as parents, in light of God's character, your discipline should never drive your children away from God. Secondly, to build character. Hebrews 12, verse 11, reminds us that discipline feels horrible in the moment. We all know this. None of us like to be chastised, whether we're a little child or whether we're at work. But we know that the long term fruit of discipline is to create peace and righteousness. No parent. I don't care who they are. No parent likes to see their child hurting. And even more so, none of us want to be the person that is causing hurt in our child. But a careful, gentle, and firm rebuke of sin reminds our children that sin has consequence. But that dealing with sin brings life and peace. Thirdly, to restore. Restore. Revelation 3, verse 19, it it creates this confidence that discipline is how God draws us back to himself, that we mustn't be afraid to trust God, to use discipline to restore us, to see what that sin is doing in our lives. We mustn't be afraid to allow God to do this work. And likewise for us as parents, the purpose of God's discipline in our lives to restore, if we emulate that in the lives of our children, if you wanna tell if it's going well, are you restoring your children through discipline? Are they coming back to you? Is your hand firm and loving? Is it just firm? Fourthly, to learn and to grow. Proverbs 12 verse one reminds us that God disciplines us to grow within us in appreciation for what that discipline is doing. In the same way as various trials in our life, Uh, Both Peter and James and Paul will say that it produces endurance at the end of it, a, a type of longevity because discipline and trials is something that God uses to create that, a little bit like calluses at the gym. For the sake of our own children, we must want them to learn and grow. And the way that God does that is through discipline. And lastly, love, to love One of God's main purposes in discipline is love. Proverbs 13 verse 24 says, Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. See, the rod of the shepherd oftentimes feels far too firm, but we know that God in his love looks upon us as his children. And so God will not treat us with hate. God will not treat his children with, with a despising heart. He won't look at his children and leave them in their sin. God will love us enough to discipline us. So can I ask us, if this is what the Lord is accomplishing through our discipline, all of these elements, if God is correcting and instructing and building and creating character and restoring us and helping us to learn and grow, and he's doing all of it for love... How much more so as a parent should we have confidence knowing that this is what we are to emulate in our children, that this is what God will use to bring about godly children, that this is what God blesses? Not modern parenting techniques, this. Will we trust God's word? Verdi Baucom highlights it really helpfully. I don't know if that's going to be too small to read. Shepherding your family well is a task that you must be committed to because you know to be right and because you see it as a means of grace that God will use to bless you and your family. However, it is not a cure-all. It is not as though we shepherd our families for a period of time and sit back and enjoy the fruit of our labors. Shepherding is an ongoing task. The work isn't done until the good shepherd calls us home. And in the meantime, we'll have to teach the same lessons over and over. We'll have to constantly remind ourselves that the gospel is the good news to be proclaimed to our families. Now, I know that I said I had three points, but I, I just want to be cheeky and speak to, the parents in the, uh, speak to the children in the service for a moment. I know this morning I've said a lot to the moms and dads, uh, but I have four things that I want you to hear from this morning's sermon. Firstly, because God wants your mom and dad to show you what Jesus is like, you need to watch them closely and see what they do. Secondly, because God wants mom and dad to teach you what Jesus said, you need to listen carefully to what they say. And thirdly, because God loves you so much that he wants mom and dad to discipline you, you need to trust them when they do. Boys and girls, God will make sure that you have everything you need to grow up to be strong Christians. But that adventure starts with trusting your parents. But here's the thing that's difficult. Even when our moms and dads do everything that they can, they're still sinners who make mistakes. They fail us, and they even fail God. And so what do we do when mom and dad aren't perfect? Well, the good news is that God did something incredible 2,000 years ago, and that he showed the world that he is a trustworthy father. He sent his son, Jesus, into the world. And when he sent Jesus, he made sure that he would honor his father in everything he did. See, because Jesus was a godly example. Jesus was a godly teacher. And Jesus loved his disciples and his people around him enough that he disciplined them when they did things wrong. And boys and girls, everything Jesus did was to honor his his father. Everything you and I should do should be to honor our mothers and our fathers, our moms and our dads, but should also be to honor God. But because we're like our moms and dads who fall short, because you and I sin just like our moms and dads, just because you and I dishonor God, you and I are full of sin and in big trouble. But there is very good news. Jesus says that his Father has made a way for you and I, who are sinners, to be forgiven. And listen to what Jesus said in uh, in chapter six, verse 37 to verse 40 of Luke, of John. All that the Father gives to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of God who sent me. And this is the will of God who sent me, that I should lose nothing, of all that he has given me but raise it up on the last day for this is the will of my father that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life and will raise him up and i will raise him up on the last day boys and girls there is a father in heaven who will never fail you there is a father in heaven who loves your mom and dad there is a father in heaven who is teaching your mom and dads so that they can teach You, there's a father in heaven who wants them to be godly examples, who wants them to instruct you, who wants them to discipline you. Can I ask you boys and girls to do something? Pray for mom and dad. Pray that mom and dad would listen to God. Pray that mom and dad would love God and pray that mom and dad would learn from God how to be good parents for you. Let's pray. Our gracious and loving Lord, you are our heavenly father. You are altogether holy, Lord. Lord, you have never failed us. You have been so good to us. You have always instructed us. You sent your son to be a perfect example for us, and you discipline us out of love. Lord, we thank you that you parent us so well. And for us parents, Lord, we pray that you would please help us to take what you teach us, Lord, how you love us, and to love our children with that same love. We thank you for the example you have given us in Christ. We thank you for how you have shared with us eternal life through the person and work of Jesus. And Lord, as parents, we come before you and we ask that you would forgive us. Forgive us through what Jesus did on the cross, Lord, because we have fallen short of your standards for parenting. Lord, we have not parented well. We have not loved as Christ has loved us. But Lord, you have given us this task. And so, Lord, please forgive us and work within us, create within us godly desires to love our children well, to instruct them in your truth, to be godly examples. Lord, we pray that you would help us. We so need you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you have been with us as a church, that you are raising up godly parents, that we have older generations to look to, to learn from. We have a a wonderfully healthy church in this way. Lord, help us to use this well. We thank you for providing for us, Lord, all the resources we need to parent according to the ways of God. And so, Lord, would you please help us as a church that we would be known, Lord, with our own children as parents that love you, that listen to you, that follow you, that desire to be obedient to you, and that truly know you. Lord, we want to bless our children, and we know that you desire to bless them through us. And so, Lord, would you please do these things, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.